I'm going to do all that stuff and, and go on a date and everything. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, thanks. Nice to be seen. Good stuff. Hey, uh, great injury conference, reconference uh, this last weekend. It was fantastic. Lots of guys coming and hanging out, learning stuff about how to learn how to fight right. And uh, Pastor Omar came and shared with us. And uh, ladies, you can thank him. No, it was good. Uh, he, did a, he did a great job and really, really helped us kind of see some uh, out-of-balance thoughts that some of us have had. And uh, if you haven't, uh, didn't get a chance to go, talk to some of the fellows that have. And I'm telling you, it's great, really good stuff. We're in a six-week series right now on the family. I like to take the, uh, the, the time between Mother's Day and Father's Day to talk about family. I feel like you can't do it enough. Uh, every year... Uh, you can count on it. I'm going to lock it. For, at least at this point, I'm planning on it. Last several years, I've taken that six weeks between the two holidays to say, hey, let's talk about family. Man, I believe family, quite frankly. I, I say this every year, and I'm going to say it as much as I can remember, but I believe that the family is the most powerful institution on planet Earth. Whether on purpose or by default, it's the most powerful institution. Whether it was a really good experience for you or not, it marked us. It marked you because you had a great experience as a child, or it marked you because you didn't have such a great experience as a child. I think the, 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 the institution of family is so important. And I just think that we've done such a, I don't know, mediocre job at trying to understand family. We just kind of tend to think that, well, we were born into it. We should just know how to do it innately. How's that going for us? <laughs> Right? We, we make a mess of stuff, and many of us walk around with the scars and the hurts and the pains from our own experiences in family. There, there isn't a, a government on the planet. There, there isn't a, a financial institution. There isn't a political person. Uh, Russell Wilson with his $140 million contract. Nobody can carry the authority in your life like family does. And quite frankly, you don't have to believe me, but I know who does. The devil. He believes that the family is the most powerful institution on the planet. And you don't have to care. But I know who does. The enemy. How do I know that? Because he's done everything he possibly can to distort, to redefine, to contort, to twist, to confuse the role of family as much as he possibly can. Because if he can mess with the definition of family, he can, well mess with the definition of you. If he, can, if he can toy with your understanding of a healthy role of a father in your life and really mess it up because of what you came from, then, then it starts you out in a weird course, doesn't it? But could you imagine, do you know that the initial, the, the initial purpose of family was two reasons. The, original, the initial purpose of family was for God to really begin to help us understand and under, uh, really begin to discover our true identity. The role of families was to help us really understand our true identity, and the role of family was also the institution with which God wanted to introduce us to him. He wanted the family to be that place that we would all go, oh, that's what a loving father does. If I was the, if I was the devil, I would try to mess that up as much as I could. You know what the devil's done? Done everything to mess that up as much as he can. Come on. Doesn't take long to find that online. Chuckle. God's original plan for family 
was for us to find our identity, to discover it, and to find out who he is. This is the big deal. I want to pray. Lord, I pray that you help us. Just as we endeavor to embark on this journey a little bit more deeply, God, uh, Yvonne spoke last week on Mother's Day about the, the wonderful uh, role of a mom. I pray today, the next several weeks, as we dig into this place of family, that, God, we might touch on a few painful things. Lord, we might even find some places of healing. So, Lord, I pray that you help us to, to find wholeness in you. We belong to a family of God. Help us to see what you have to say. We need you a whole bunch. In Jesus' name, amen. The series we're in is called The Emotionally Healthy Family. How many of you qualify? <laughs> so I, wrote, I thought I would do a little research right for you and discover what the emotionally, what does an emotionally healthy person look like? Let's go ahead and get, get your pencils out so you can put a big star on your life, right? Uh, that you've done well, right? So here's an emotionally healthy person. People who are emotionally healthy control their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. They're able to cope with life challenges. They can keep problems in perspective. They bounce back from setbacks, and they feel good about themselves and have good relationships. How many have just lost? <laughs> right. I'm out, right? Here we go. Being emotionally healthy doesn't mean that you're happy all the time. Being an emotionally healthy person means that you're aware of your emotions. You can deal with them whether they're positive or negative. Emotionally healthy people still feel stress, anger, sadness, but they know how to manage negative feelings. They can tell when a problem is more than they can handle on their own. And they also know how to seek out help. Hmm. One of the areas of uh, emotional health that I want to deal with is in the area of boundaries. Man, if there's, if there's one thing I think that we are terrible at as human beings is the area of boundaries. How much we allow our emotions to cross over in somebody's life or theirs into our life, right? Boundaries. I was raised in a family where that word was never spoken. Boundaries. I was raised in a family where there was no such thing as a boundary. I was raised in a family where there was just, well, nothing like that. <laughs> I learned as an adult that it's healthy to have boundaries, that it's even healthy to say, nope. It's even healthy to say, not gonna. It's even healthy to say, stay there. <laughs> we were never taught that. And I don't know about you and your family of origin, but we're, we're, we're you two do have, have developed some emotionally healthy boundaries, then perhaps you may or may not be in the position you're in today. Boundaries. Now, there's no way I could possibly take uh, 30 minutes to tell you all there is to know about boundaries. But I am going to talk to you about five five boundaries that are unhealthy ways of looking at life, and maybe five boundaries that are healthier ways to view that same imbalance. You ready for that? Awesome. That's awesome. Big crickets right there. Could you imagine if we, if we understood boundaries? I mean, I mean, seriously, could you imagine? That, then maybe that pressure of your boss saying to you, hey, I need you to stay overtime because you have to do whatever, and you say to yourself, like, well, I'll stay overtime because it might help me advance my career. It might help me do this. All the while, you know, your wife is at home with her, the kids, and, and she's at the end of a rope, and she told you, make your way home quickly because I'm so exhausted. And you say to your boss, yep, I'll stay. Or turn the role around, and it's the husband doing the other and the wife doing the other. You know what I'm talking about, right? Or, or the, the person that says to you, as you're, as you're on your way away from somewhere, 
hey, uh, do you have a second? I need to talk to you about some stuff. And you know that the rest of your family is at home waiting on you, and your, your husband's looking at his watch saying, when's she coming home? And you're like, well, I had to be open. I'm a Christian. I thought I'd just say yes and be Christian and loving and allowed that person to literally hijack your life for three hours. <laughs> is there a place for healthy boundaries as a Christian? Let me help you with that. Yes. In Jesus' name, there are places for healthy boundaries. The problem is, is that so many of us don't know that there are healthy ones. We just live unhealthy and then call it, well, the leading of the Lord, perhaps. We just, wow, that went on deaf ears. You know, we just, we just decide that God told me so, and instead, no, you're just out of bounds. Come on. Boundaries. Let me tell you, first of all, write this down if you can, if you're taking notes at all. This is one thing, if you leave without here, with one thing written down, write this down. Put it in your phone, whatever you got. Listen, only you can set boundaries for you. Only you can set boundaries for you. You got that? No one else can set boundaries. Hey, real quick. Hey, Quentin. See right there? Chris, wave your arms. This is what I was talking about, Chris, Quentin. You guys are both from Kansas. So you just know each other. There you go. Sorry. You should see what goes through my head in any given Sunday. <laughs> That's a life without boundaries right there. <laughs> Let it take over me, right? Only you can set boundaries for you. Only you have the ability to do it. No one else can come and set your boundaries for you. You have to decide what you will and won't do. You have to decide what you'll allow and what you won't allow. You have to decide yourself because only you can set boundaries for you. And if you don't set boundaries for yourself, listen to this. If you don't set boundaries for yourself, you'll always be left to the boundaries that somebody else set for you. You'll be susceptible to somebody else's boundaries every single time. If you say to yourself, here's the line I won't cross, and you decide to set that boundary, if you don't set that boundary, then someone else is going to set their boundary for you. And usually it will not be what you like. And you'll get talked into some crazy thing, and you'll be, well, God said, and you'll, you'll, have, you'll have to come up with some sort of jargon to make it make sense. Hmm. Come on, we don't talk about this in church. We need to. By the way, can I just be so bold as to tell you this? If you... <laughs> If you spend more time, attention, and resources on caring for your dog than your mental health, then maybe you should reconsider some things. If you spend more time, resources, and attention on your dog, come on. Somebody text me about that one because I'll fight you back, man. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? I'm absolutely tongue-in-cheek, but you know what I mean. We'll spend all the time and effort to listen to a commercial the other day where they're talking about boneless meat in the dog food that they're giving to their dogs. All I could think of was, I remember giving my dogs bones. And it's a good thing to give boneless meat to dogs. I was like, who, what? Sorry, somebody's going to text me now. But I'm telling you, <laughs> love on your dog. Who care lots about your dog. <laughs> yeah, stop. You know, my wife. <laughs> Turning it over. I have boundaries. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to take my watch out, too. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 don't, we don't give it the value, our mental health and stability. Uh, it's important that you can stop it. Somebody's calling me now. Okay. <laughs> stop it. 
We spend way too much time, effort, and attention on our animals more than we spend on our, our mental health. Come on, I tell you this. Here's what I found about mental health, te- mental health professionals. I'm not one of them, right? I'm a pastor. Counselors are a whole different people group, and they are amazing. I can tell you as a pastor, I'll give you some, some sage advice, but let me tell you what a counselor will do. They'll get to the bottom of you because they're professionals. You, you, need a, you need to invest somewhere energy-wise, life-wise, resource-wise into getting some health and, and, and help in, in your mental part of who you are. Amen? It's not an admission of, your, of your, the fact that you're too weak. It's, a, it's really a desire to get strong. I, I heard a guy say to me just this last weekend, wow, to go to a counselor would be the admittance of my, of my inability to work it out myself. That's just a weak thing. And I was like, no, that's just dumb. Get some help. Amen. All right, here we go. Five unhealthy boundaries and five truths on how to get them back. <laughs> Healthy, unhealthy, uh, unhealthy boundary number one, trust anyone and trust no one. Unhealthy boundary. This is what some, some of us walk in. We trust anyone or we trust no one. A lot of us just decide to trust the loudest voice on the internet. The loudest voice on the internet is the smartest voice, so therefore we can trust that because it's the loudest voice and it makes the most noise, so it therefore must be right. They have most podcasts, they have most this, uh, they, 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 they do enough uh, whatever they do, and the loudest voice on TV or online is the right one, and we just trust it. Or we decide cynically that we're going to not trust a thing or anyone. Both unequal boundaries, both unhealthy boundaries, just to say I'm not going to trust at all. So it bears us, it behooves us to actually slow down a little bit and say, what does good, healthy trust look like? Good question. By the way, you have, a devil, you have an adversary who's a liar, so he's always going to lie to you, and he's going to always try to contort the idea of trust. But what is trust? Healthy trust. Here's what a healthy boundary of trust looks like. Healthy boundary of trust is to trust with caution. True trust is established in truth over a period of time. Listen to that again. True trust, the truth about trust, trust is established in truth over a period of time. The thing I love about the Lord is this. A healthy boundary is trust with caution. True trust is established, trust is established in truth over a period of time. I love that God actually believes this to be true. I love that God does. God just doesn't willy-nilly say, I'm the big king on the throne, trust me, or you're dumb. He doesn't do that. He actually says, test me. He actually says, test me over time and in truth. If you really want to know who I am, test me. I love this. Look at First uh, John 4 says this. My dear, bro- my dear friends, don't believe everything. This is in the message translation. It's a little loose. It says, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are lots of lying preachers in the world. Now, some of you are like, amen. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you? Can I just tell you this? Will you do me a favor and test what I say? Just test it. How do you test it? With truth and time. Test it with everything I say. You can't just get what Lance said. Listen, I'm human, right? I'm going to make mistakes. Test it with truth and time. Go back what I say and read it in your own Bibles and find context. I fight for context, but sometimes, well, I'm human. And and over time, I'm going to do my best to be faithful and true and tell you everything I know to be true. But come on, trust is developed over a period of time with truth. 
You can't just throw it out there. I love how God says, test me in this. You know, I love even the picture of, in the book of Malachi, so tithing, right? I talk to you often about the idea of tithing and that tithing is, is, it equates to how trust is built. I just love, there's a part of me that was like, God, what's the big deal about tithing? I mean, it's hard. Why are you messing with my money? What's the big deal? And, and, and I mean, come on, I'm just being human with you. Okay, here's the thing about, here's the thing about tithing. Trusting God with the 10% of your money. Here's the great thing. It's hard. It's hard. And I love the fact that God says in the book of Malachi, actually says this. It says this in verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6. I am the Lord, I do not change. Would someone please get that tattooed somewhere? (laughs) I'm the Lord, I do not change. He doesn't change. I was going to put that over our kids' changing table when they were little. For me, I am the Lance, I do not change. No, I am the Lord, I do not change. That's, some of you are getting it. That's why you descendants of Jacob are, are not already completely destroyed. Verse 7, ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my laws and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Should people, call, should, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, how do we, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. The whole nation of you is under a a curse for cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse or the church so that there will be enough food for the temple. If you do, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out blessings so great enough that you won't have room for it. The words there, try it. Let me prove it to you. I love that God says that. Test me or try it. Don't take Lance's word for it. Give her a shot. By the way, some of you, I don't know who tithes. I don't want to know who tithes. That's why I can say this with such boldness. If you've never tithed 10%, try it. The king of the universe said, test him. The king of the universe. The one who put the breath in your lungs. The one who put the stars in the sky said, test me. What? And we're like, yeah, I don't know if you're trustworthy. I don't know if I can afford it. You might be weird. (laughs) There is no one like you. Right? (laughs) Then we go on to worship him, and we're like, look, I'm telling you. And I love the fact that you have to tithe every two weeks or every month or whenever it is that you get paid. (laughs) I'm like, can't we just do it once a year and move along? I love the fact that he says, nope, every two weeks. So it's always brought back to your mind. Or every whatever period of time you get paid. Just all the time. So you always get to remember how faithful I am. Truth over time develops trust. Healthy boundary. I love that God says test it. Don't just take it for what the loudest voice on the internet is telling you. Number two. Unhealthy boundary number two. Telling all to anyone. Unhealthy boundary number two. Telling all to anyone. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, my daughters and I were watching a show the other day on, on TV and uh, there's this lady who was on there, and uh, she, she had, every time someone would talk, she would rebut and have some sort of a, a, a funny comment, and it was all about her. One of my daughters says, that lady is a me monster. She's just a me monster. Everything is me, 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 me. Everything's about her. And I was like, wow, that's a, a me monster. There's some, sometimes we feel like we have to be the me monster everywhere. I can tell you this, one of the weaknesses I had when I was a little younger, and I'm learning how to live in the greatness of this, is, is um, I'm a verbal processor. And so if I sit in a room long enough, and you're sitting in the room long enough, 
you will outlast me in quietness. I promise you. Because I'll say something. I'll try to be funny. I'll try to make a, a, a comment. I'll do something, right? Because I'm verbal. Unfortunately, this is a hard one for me to, because, because we want to feel like we want to say like, oh, and this is what's going on in my life. Can I tell you this? You don't have to do that. Some people are completely unsafe and they don't need to know your biz. Some of us need to learn how to sit in a room and get this, be still and know that he is God and not feel like we got to fill up the room with noise or tell all about our stuff. Sometimes the hardest place for people is to just sit in a room of silence. James 3, 5 says this, the tongue is a small thing with enormous, but can do enormous damage. It can get a tiny spark and set a great forest on fire. A tongue is a flame of fire full of wickedness. It can ruin a whole life. It can turn an entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction. So what's the healthy boundary of an, un, of an untamed tongue? A healthy boundary is control your speech. Colossians 4, 6 says this, let your, con- love this, let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may be able to answer everyone. If you want to know the key to healthy boundaries with your mouth, two words, grace and salt. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but it says here in Colossians, let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt. What in the world does that mean? Glad you asked. Grace. Here's the definition of grace. To speak with wholesome, fitting, kind, sensitive, purposeful, complimentary, gentle, and truthful, and loving, thoughtful ways. Grace is like this overflowing love and care. But what is salt? That's the real question. How do you season your your language with salt? Here's what it is. Remember, salt does two things. It flavors and it preserves. Sometimes we forget that our language can be a preservative, meaning I don't have to blab everything to you about everything about me. I can actually sit in a room and just be okay. When you begin to find some victory in that area of just being able to say, I could just be me and quiet in a room. Now, the opposite's true for some of you who won't talk at all and need to start talking a little bit, right? But, 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 but um, the unhealthy boundary is that we'll just start blabbing. And the Bible, what does it say? Casting pearls before swine. We'll just start ripping off all of our, our intimate details of our life to anyone who will just pose us an ear Instead of saying, hang on a second, I want to have control over my tongue and speak with grace and salt because I want to preserve relationship and season it. Unhealthy boundary number three. Unhealthy boundary number three, going against personal values to please others. Going against your personal values to please another. The problem with this particular unhealthy boundary is that most of us don't understand what our values are. We won't, we won't spend enough time to unpack what our real values are. A lot of us have values we wished we had. I wished I, I wished I valued a clean house with no laundry. I wished I valued a mowed lawn. I wished I valued bills being paid on time. I wish I valued uh, returning emails and phone calls on time. I wish I valued, those aren't values. Values in your life, you have to discover what they are. For me, personally, I remember asking the Lord what my values were, and he said this. He said, Lance, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the next week, and on your phone, uh, I want you to begin to just open the notepad, and this is for me. This is for Lance. I needed to write down everything that ticked me off. He goes, I want you to just write down everything that just kind of makes your eyebrow raise a little bit, right? 
And so I, I, I took note. And so over the course of the week, I, I'm having lunch with somebody and the, the waitress comes up and the, the friend who I'm with says, I'll have a number three and would you just make it fast? And like, I want to reach across the table and strangle him. And I'm like, don't you care that that person's a human? And so I wrote that down. Mean people at restaurants. No, I wrote that down. I was like, it makes me mad when somebody doesn't honor other people. And so I began to listen. You know, I'm, I'm at, the, I'm at the, the, the intersection and the light's uh, red. And so I'm waiting, trying not to look at my phone. Come on, I know you don't either. But, but the light turns green and I'm adjusting the radio. And the car behind me, and I'm like, seriously, right? Come on now. You want to get out and say, hey, are you all right? You want, or something. <laughs> on my phone, I get back, I pull over and I say, hey, that made me mad. Why? Because I want someone to honor my time and my space too. And I came up with this list of values off of things that made me mad. Because if it doesn't make you mad, you don't really value it. If a messy house doesn't make you mad, not a value. Some of you are going down that road a bit. <laughs> What's the healthy boundary? Know what you value. James 4.8 says this in the message translations. Listen to this. Some of you need to memorize this passage. Stay quiet, yes. Stay quiet, yes, to God, and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before God, your master. It's only, it's the only way that you will finally get on your feet. You need to know what you value. Do you know what you value? Listen, if you don't know what you value, I promise, just like I said with boundaries, someone else will come up and tell you what you're supposed to value. You're supposed to value this and supposed to value that. I don't know what your values are, but you need to spend some time understanding what it is and, and what your family values are. If you're going to discipline your children for, for, for uh, not doing this or not doing that, can I tell you, it had better come back to some sort of a value for you and not just because I said so. Your values, you discipline your, you discipline your children with values. You don't discipline your children with emotions. You allow your values to help you. So if you don't know what your values are, then you and your, your spouse, listen, you sit down and begin to say, what is it that makes our eyes raise? When, you know, and so uh, uh, Polly and I had some values that were important to us. We, we didn't like it when we were talking to somebody and our kids would walk up to us and start, dad, 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 dad. And so we remember pulling our kids aside saying, hey, look, it, it's a value for us because if we're talking to somebody, that person is really important. Put your hand on our leg. We'll acknowledge you're there. And if it's super emergency, then tap a little, but don't sit there. But if you're just sitting there yanking on us, listen, you're not showing any value to that person. And so we like came up with different things that were important to us. We wanted to discipline in the context of values. If you don't, then you'll discipline out of anger or emotion. That was worth, that's money. Come on. Here we go. Unhealthy, uh, so know what you value. Number four, unhealthy boundary number four. Let other, letting others define you. Unhealthy boundary, letting others define you. Every one of us wants to fit in. When I was in high school, uh, I did this, uh, I auditioned my senior year for this thing called All Northwest Choir. And uh, it, it's a thing. It's like uh, nowadays, I think it was the same then. You can help me, Michael. But All Northwest encamps, encompasses Alaska, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Washington, and Wyoming. 
So I auditioned, and then we send an audition tape into some master wizard or something, and then they decide if you can be in their group, right? So I auditioned, and I made the group, All Northwest Choir. I was so happy. We did it. There was a thing going to happen in Spokane. I was like, wow, All Northwest. I was so excited about that because there's just a small group of just a hundred or a couple of hundred people who are going to make this group. If I remember correctly, it was like that. But then I also was a three-sport athlete, football, wrestling, and track. And, and I know that um, I, football was my first love. Uh, wrestling uh, was not a love at all. No, I'm kidding. It, I, <laughs> wrestling's just hard. Uh, and track, I was a I was a thrower, so I shot put discus and javelin, and I was a state competitor in track as well. So my, my senior year, I, I ended up getting uh, accepted or to, to wrestle in the state tournament, right? So I was like, wow, all Northwest and state wrestling tournament. I'm so excited about that, right? That's the, 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 the two things began to merge in my head. They landed on the exact same Saturday. Yep. So, so I had to decide, who am I going to make happy? Because we want to spend all of our time trying to get everyone happy with us and let others define who we are. So trying to make my wrestling coach happy because my team would be happy and we could go ahead and make some noise at the state level as a team. That would be fantastic. We could do this thing. And I was doing pretty good as a senior. Or I knew that I was going off to college and I was going to be a music major. And so maybe that would help me uh, in my endeavors to try to get a music scholarship at school. And so I didn't know what to do. You see, so many people, have, we, we spend so much time trying to let everyone else decide who we are. We try to let everyone else tell us, hey, this is the most valuable thing, or that's the most valuable thing, or people who really like this or like that. And trust me, people came out of the woodwork to try to tell me what I should do. And as an, uh, an 18-year-old kid, I had no idea. Hmm. Listen to this, Mark chapter 15. 15 says this, so Pilate, so Pilate, anxious to please the, the crowd, released Barabbas. Pilate did, he, you know what Pilate did? Pilate decided to please the crowd, and he released Barabbas instead of Jesus. He released a criminal. Listen, if you don't, if you don't have this nailed down, if you don't know yourself, if you don't, it, you, you'll spend your whole life trying to make everyone else happy. Living from one thing to the next, one thing to the next, one thing to the next. Of people saying, you should go to school. You should not go to school. You should start a work. You should start doing this. You should be at this church. You should be at that church. You should come with me to leave this place. You should be with her. No, you should marry him. You should, I mean, come on. You'll have everyone else telling you all the time. Know yourself. Know yourself. Write this down. Write this down. Uh, here's the healthy boundary. The healthy boundary number four to let everyone else define you is to know yourself. Listen to this. There's three, there are three key ways to knowing yourself. Number one, ask God to show you. Ask God to show you who you are. He'll tell you. The Bible says if you ask for that kind of thing, he'll give it to you. Ask God to show you who you are. Number two, if you want to find out who you are as a person, start serving somewhere. You want to know who you are? Start serving somewhere. Just start serving somewhere. What do I mean by that? Just start serving and your gift will show up. I, I, I have never, I think I've told you this before, I've never actually taught a spiritual gifts class. Do I, do I believe in spiritual gifts? Yes. I just think we, have, we do a terrible job at trying to discover them. We say if you, if you do this and do this and do this and do this, you must be that kind of person. Here's my thoughts. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, just start serving somewhere and your gift will show up. I promise you. It just will. You'll, say to your, you'll find yourself saying like, 
We don't explain well enough how to uh, hand out fishy crackers to children. We should explain more on how to hand out fishy crackers. And your spiritual gift of teaching might show up. Somebody might say, like, well, how many fishy crackers do we actually have? We need, you know what? We need three fishy crackers per kid. That's it. Right? And your administrative spiritual gift will show up. You might sit there with a party hat on and your face all painted saying, like, I just love hanging out with kids and them talking. It's so amazing. And your spiritual gift of just spending time and showing love to kids might show up. Hospitality. Doesn't matter where you serve. You just start serving and your gift will show up. You want to find out who you are? Ask God. Number two, start serving. Number three, pay attention. Proverbs 4 says, pay attention and grow wise. Pay attention and grow wise. By the way, I chose all Northwest instead of wrestling. I don't know. Is he happy? The other half is like, he a dummy. Right? So, <laughs> isn't that right, Jim? There we go. Unhealthy boundary number five. Expect others to fulfill your needs. Unhealthy boundary number five, expect others to fulfill your needs. Some of us who've lived unboundaried for a long time got into this thing called marriage, hoping that that other person could fulfill all your needs. Polly and I celebrate our 30-year anniversary in August. And can I tell you, in 30 years of marriage, um, she's failing at meeting all of my needs. You know what? I'm failing at meeting all of her needs because God never intended us to meet each other's needs like that. He never said your entire... One time we went to marriage counseling and, and we were sitting there across from each other and the marriage counselor's talking to us and as we're, we're talking, he says, um, Lance, tell me about this or whatever. And so I'm starting to talk and Polly goes, no, 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 no. I know exactly what he's thinking. And then, then she he asked Polly the same thing and I said, no, 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 no. I can tell you exactly what she's thinking. And he goes, time out. You both are a bunch of mind readers. You probably don't even know what you really need. You don't even know your own needs. You just want that person to mind read and come to the bottom of you. We want everyone else to meet all of our needs. We want our pastor to meet our needs. We want our church to meet our needs. We want our job to meet our needs. We want our partner to meet our needs. We want our friends to meet our needs. We want Facebook to meet our needs. We want someone to say like, 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 like. That was good, like. You're amazing, like. We expect others to meet our needs. Healthy boundary number five, know your needs. One of the things that, um, that we, we learned in, in this counseling was this way to communicate our needs to each other. I was talking to a fellow about this just the other day. If you don't know how to, if you're married and you know how to communicate your needs to one another, this is just a little quick technique that I want to tell you if I haven't ever told you before. It's called drive-through communication. Not drive-by communication, right? That's not good. Drive-through communication. Drive-through. So you go to McDonald's, right? You go to McDonald's, you pull up to the window, the thing, the person on the other side says, hey, what would you like? Welcome to McDonald's. And you say, I'll have a hamburger fries and a chocolate shake. The guy on the other line says, hamburger fries and a Coke? You say, nope. I said hamburger fries and a chocolate shake. That person says back, oh, hamburger fries and a chocolate shake. Yes, pull forward. And it's six, three, whatever, the money. And you go do your thing. 
That's how we're supposed to communicate with each other, by the way. Drive-through communication. You talk to your spouse. Hey, it really bothers me when whatever. Your spouse says, what I hear you saying is you don't like me. That's not what I said. It just bothers me when that thing happens, and, and I don't know how to deal with it in my own life. What I hear you saying is you think I'm stupid. I didn't say that. It just bothers me when that thing happens, so what do I do? Oh, what I hear you saying is, is that makes you feel anxious when there's a mess in the living room and whatever, whatever the thing is. You spend too much money. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, we'll pull forward. Drive through communication. If we actually said things like that, we might save well a marriage. See, you don't know how to communicate your own needs because most of us don't even know what our needs are. Know yourself, man. Spend some time saying, God, who am I? And then begin to communicate with the person that you love. This is what's important to me. Can we pray? Jesus, there's no one like you. Would you help us today to begin to understand what family is so important? God, I I believe with all my heart that we take very little time to learn a few things and five boundaries did not make a life for sure. But Lord, I pray that you help us start this way and do some research to find out who you've made us to be. Because God, when we walk in the fullness of what you've made us to be, we give you the greatest glory due your name. And less time staring at our own belly buttons. We need you, God. Bring healing into our families. In Jesus' name, amen.